right, guys, welcome back to the CXOJ podcast, episode six. Okay, you ready, Chloe? Let's go. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me clear my throat. Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> Mic check, one, two. One, two, one, two. But yeah, guys, <laughs> thank you for continuing to rock with us. We appreciate it. And we have a very fun episode today. So, Chloe, tell the people what inspired you for this show. So, y'all, we have a TikTok, Chloe XO Josh on TikTok. And when I'm doing my 30 day challenge on the treadmill, I'm doing the 12 330 challenge. That's when you walk for 30 minutes on a 12 incline at a speed of three. So it gets kind of boring. So usually I look at videos. Long story short, Josh sent me like 80 TikTok messages and I never saw them because I just didn't understand TikTok millennial stuff <laughs> so long story short I went through his TikToks while I was on the treadmill and I came across one that he sent and it was called the 10 things I think it was like something along the lines of the 10 things you wish you would have learned 10 years ago yes and so I was like oh this would be cool to talk about and share it with you guys to see your thoughts on it and see if you've implemented any of these number one number two if you agree with them and number three, is there anything that you want to implement after you watch this podcast slash YouTube video? <laughs> Absolutely. With that being said, wonderful introduction, Chloe. Here we go. Here we go. Here's number one. Are you going to play the whole thing? Wait. 10 you- things that would have changed my life forever if I heard them 10 years ago. This went viral on Twitter, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Number one, stop buying and financing stupid things. Everyone thinks that just because you can afford the monthly payment means you can actually afford it. Most of the time, you can't. Stop doing it. Hmm. We're going to go one by one. Okay, I like that, this format. So I think that stupid is relative, right? (laughs) So it's like, I feel like in order for you to spend your money or thousands of dollars on stuff, you should think about it first and see why you're doing it, right? So, I mean, I also feel like you only live once. So while you're here, you might as well spend your money. You can't take it with you. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Okay, that's very interesting. I understand why you would say that. However, with a looming recession, I feel like that is wonderful advice to heed. Now, I'll be honest. I certainly have engaged in frivolous spending for sure. Like, I feel like we all have just uh, just to splurge. And as psychology tells us, we feel better when we spend money, especially the more money we spend, more of a uh, dopamine release we get. Right. So some people can get addicted to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just with, you know, things like spending money or shopping, but it's also alcoholism, which will which this list will get into as well further down the line, which I think is very, very apt to. So. I do think it's more important to not just save the money, but more accurately invest the money and then save the money you earn from investing. All right. So I feel like I feel this is this is strictly feelings. You got to know yourself, right? Like, are you buying stuff because it makes you look important or are you buying stuff because you actually like it? Or are you buying stuff because you just like enjoy, you just like to spend money or you just like to shop? Like me personally, I love to shop. Like I love to shop. It just gives me 
a good feeling. Like I like to be creative when I'm shopping. I like to be in the store. I like to feel the the material and it, it's a it's a it's a therapeutic process for me. But also to be resourceful because you love going for deals. Yeah. So with that being said, because I love to shop and I get a dopamine hit from just shopping, I am an extreme couponer. <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, I could still shop and make money or not spend as much money. And it actually gives me like more of an adrenaline rush. Um, so that's how I was able to I guess do both, right? Be fiscally responsible and still, you know, fix that urge for shopping, feed that urge for shopping. (laughs) Um, Josh knows we have a stockpile upstairs, a stock room um, of stuff. Like I haven't bought toilet paper and since we moved in here, probably maybe in like two years almost. And I did like one big haul and we're finally just running out. So I will be couponing soon for that. Or toothpaste. We probably won't have to buy toothpaste for another three to five years. <laughs> but yeah, like or or dish detergent or laundry detergent, like stuff that you would spend a whole bunch of money on. And uh, to be honest, I'm a little bougie with the products that we have now because once you get Paracel, like you you just don't go back. But I don't pay Paracel prices. <laughs> and Chloe Coops. <laughs> Chloe Coops. And Josh, like, I'm trying to, you know, rub it off on him. I have, like, a, I have a personal, what's the word, goal, like, a personal challenge every time I go shopping. It's, like, how much can I get this off? And I'm not a type of person who bargains. Like, I don't go into their bargaining. I think that's, that's just not my thing. But I will find it. Like, I will find anything with so. I'm not paying full price because they mark up like I y'all know about the industry. Like it's like a thousand percent markup on some stuff. Of course, Chloe. It's a business margins, not a charity. Exactly. So, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta get in where you can fit in. You feel me? So back to what he was saying. Yes, I think that you should. (laughs) You might want to not spend money on things that don't really matter. And, and only spend money on things that you that matter to you. Like, don't do it just because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses or it makes you look a certain way and you're struggling to pay for that thing. That is a no-no because it just leads to more stress. Like, if you don't have any money, sis, don't go shopping. If you don't have any money, honey, don't go shopping. That's a great point, Chloe. And I'm just going to add to that. The same way that spending money and shopping feels great, Watching money evaporate does not. That makes you feel the opposite. And the more you do these uh, monthly payments, because that's, again, that's a marketing strategy, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, the goal is to get the prospect, which is you, the consumer, right? To be more uh, likely to say yes in the purchase. And uh, let's be honest, we all know that trick. Yes. And it works. Yes. Especially if the value is high enough to create that desire for you to want it. Right. Yes. And again, we're not. We're not in any way trying to judge people for for spending money, especially during the holidays. Spend your money. If you have it, spend it. But if you don't have it. But to (laughs) to the to the TikTok's point, if you knew that 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, most of us are going to be in in college or fresh out of college stage. So if you had that knowledge then or had that understanding of spending and let's say monthly 
marketing campaigns for for subscriptions type of thing, either annual or month monthly, which became very popular the past ten years. So mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a great point. Then you would view it differently. So something like Disney Plus, I opted to pay annually, mm-hmm. and it will go up annually, similar to Amazon Prime. Shout out to the Prime members, right? But at the same time, it's you understand how much is worth when you do it annually, because mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the max it can cost you is annual. Mm-hmm. But when you have it coming out every month, then you have to you have to budget that. So it's and perhaps it might be better for your budget. Mm-hmm. It, it was for me. For when I switch to do things annually, things like StreamYard, mm-hmm. StreamYard annual. Because you get discounts, like back to the discounts, like what Josh is saying, there's times of year, there are times in the year where there's promotions that are going to happen. So it's like I jump on promotions when they happen. Like, for instance, I got our Sam's Club um, membership for $10. It's the same membership that you will pay maybe $40 for, but we only spent $10. Because I bought it when you were supposed to. So it's like, think about ways that you can still get the things you want to get, but save money in the same time. And then another site, Rakuten. I'm going to leave my Rakuten link in the bottom because y'all. Affiliate club. Listen, when we first moved in here, Rakuten basically paid for our electricity for like a good, I would say six months, maybe eight months. And cash, right? In cash. So Rakuten, what happens is you um, upload it to your browser it's a japanese company by the way yes you upload to your browser and whatever they have like promotions going on for like target walmart sometimes it's 10 percent cash back sometimes it's 20 percent cash back at adidas or nike or whatever so whenever you're shopping you just click the little rakuten button and then they give you percentage of your spending back in addition to that y'all could use your credit card points Use your credit card points wisely. So I wish if I I were to add something to this 10 years ago list, it would be use a credit card instead of a debit card Mm. because I would have gotten so many rewards and I just didn't. I wasn't up on game. I don't know how I wasn't up on game, but I wasn't. And when you use your credit card, basically use it like a debit card. So that's what I've been doing. I keep a zero balance on my credit card. Whatever I don't have on my debit card, I'm not spending But what I do is, and now it's a lot easier in 2022 because you could just pay your bill immediately. So what I do is I'll swipe my credit card and then immediately pay off the bill. $20, $15. Like we go out to, to, I don't know, if I go to like Walgreens and get stuff, I pay it on my credit card and then I get points back and then I'm paying it off right away. So it's basically free money both ways. Like you got to get your money both ways. So that's my little tidbit. If y'all want to know more coupon, um, Chloe Coop's tips, let me know. I got y'all. Or just uh, follow the TikTok. Be a link in the description. Listen, because Josh ain't know. Then he knew. He was like, oh, it's like that. We getting checks in the mail? We getting checks for free? We getting free money? I mean, you know, <laughs> I wasn't too bothered with it because the cash wasn't going to Josh anyway. He, yes, right? it, well, one, yeah, one goes to you. And I'd be like, cash that check and give me the money, please. Well, yes, <laughs> I think it is important to do, you know, coupons when you can mm-hmm. or get a deal where you can. Even my even my PS5. Right. I got it directly from PS Direct. So if you're looking for a PS5 during mm-hmm. the holiday, check out PS Direct, because if you're a PS Plus member, as I am, you get 
you get an advantage of you have your you don't even have to wait in the queue. You don't have to wait in the line. As soon as it's available, you put it in your in your uh, shopping cart and you're good to go. You get the mm-hmm. priority. Similar, just like if you're boarding a plane, mm-hmm. right? You get priority uh, priority uh, boarding. <laughs> you get priority uh, purchasing and checking out. So I, I think that's great as well. And you get a discount. Yep. Because everywhere else is selling it for at least $200 over mm-hmm. so they can make their, their margin. So think about that. I'm proud of you for that purchase. He did that one on his own. I was like, yes. Yes. Because I, <laughs> I had never used coupons or discounts at all before Chloe came into nope, the picture. Not, not my level. Oh, also another tip. And this is the last tip I'm going to get y'all because y'all going to have to subscribe for more tips. You feel me? If you are a teacher, a student, a military veteran veteran thank you for all your service veterans out there yes if, thank you for all your service teachers too facts <laughs> if you are um a senior if you are a i feel like i'm forgetting one oh a fireman or first responder or, or a nurse a or a doctor or a triple a member or a triple a <laughs> member okay there are so many discounts so many discounts like my gym membership is 29 dollars a month and I belong to all the gems. If you want to know how I do it, let me, you know, hit that like button and I got y'all. I'll put the, I'll put the link when we get to 50 likes. <laughs> Facts. Okay. So that's all I have to say about that one. All right. Number one. And now we have number two. Number two is that life is not fair and stop trying to make it fair. I've seen countless people and heard countless people say, oh, that's not fair. Yeah. It's not supposed to be. We're all dealt a different hand, and it's what you do with it that actually matters. Number three. Mm, that resonates with me because when I was growing up, <laughs> that was like one of the sayings in my household. I'd be like, I want this. And he'd be like, my dad would be like, life is not fair. So I learned to say, I would never say, oh, that's not fair. Because he will always respond, life is not fair. And then I was like, all right, facts. He's spitting facts. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, my household was very um, candid. Like, they didn't really sugarcoat things for me. So I learned that lesson very early in life. I could definitely see that. Um, being young Chloe, <laughs> I could definitely see that. But similarly, Josh was the same way. I was a very literal child. So that's one of the ways how I learned sarca- sarcasm was being very uh, literal, but in terms of things being equally fair, like here I am at like between, let's say ages seven and seven and 10 and just measuring things like, wait a minute, that's not fair. Why is it that way? Mm -hmm. And my dad would say the same thing. Life isn't fair. My mom would say the same thing. Life isn't fair. My relatives would pass on the same wisdom. Life isn't fair, especially for certain people. Of a certain persuasion. Mm -hmm. So you had to learn that reality incredibly Mm -hmm. quickly. Right. And okay, you you learn that. But then I'm looking like, wait a minute, that isn't fair either. Regardless of, let's say, race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, that isn't fair either. Why is it that way? And I felt like with the knowledge I have now, so so 10 years ago, you understand, you don't really understand why the have and have nots have and have not mm-hmm. so it has a lot to do with business and the let's say the benefits of owning a business especially tax wise 
in our country, right? It benefits those who have a business. You get a lot of tax breaks and a lot of tax benefits, mm-hmm. which I think is very important, especially in our community, right? And those are the type of things that I think would be best, I guess, shared with the younger generation so they grow up having this concept in their mind. So they so they so they're not behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. but they're understanding how the eight ball is created mm-hmm. type of thing to, to use the metaphor. See, I agree. And I think, I think that life isn't fair can be interpreted two different ways. Um, I think that the key to this phrase is being optimistic, right? So not saying, Oh, life isn't fair. Everything bad happens to me. It's a mindset. Like if you know, life's not fair, you know, you got to be resourceful. You have to make sure that you have the upper hand and you just accept the rule. Like if you're in denial about the fact that life isn't fair, you might find yourself coveting somebody else's things. Oh, they got a brand new Louis Vuitton bag. And for for their sweet 16, they got the G-Wagon. Okay. What does that have to do with you? Like, You can do things too, but when you look at things like, oh, life isn't fair, boo-hoo, I'm going to cry about it, that is a way that you're going to set yourself back, number one. And number two, everybody's not going to make it. I'm going to play that after we've done this this, um, list. I, I actually found a quote today from 50 Cent, and it's a harsh reality. Everybody's not going to make it. And what I find is the people who don't make it, in my experience, it's just my personal observations in a mirror 50 cents are people who have that mindset, the woe is me mindset. The, oh, the victim mentality. The victim mentality. And it's like, if you choose to be a victim, that's a choice. Just like if you choose to not be a victim, if you choose to be empowered, that's a choice. And nobody can make that choice for you. So life is not fair. It, it is what it is. Even people who you think might have everything that you want, they might have a perspective that life's not fair based off of, you know, things that they want and things they aspire for. So it's like focus on your own self, right? And when you see people with things that you want, life isn't fair, but there are enough tools out here to level the playing field if you want it, if you're resourceful enough, and if you have that optimistic mindset and that determination and that grit, you can do it. Absolutely. And I agree a thousand percent, especially what you were alluding to in the beginning, which is personal responsibility and accountability, because you have control over specific elements of your life. So your goal, as we all know, is to control what you can control Mm -hmm. and not worry about or get you know, emotional about and, and, you know, get triggered by things you can't control Mm -hmm. because is this causing stress on your life internally that you're generating? And unfortunately, sometimes things like truth can trigger you Mm -hmm. if you're not in touch with that reality that life literally isn't fair fair. for anyone. However, (laughs) you get to observe what you can control And then when you can control these factors in your life, which are great, things like going to the gym, eating correctly, starting a business, growing a business. Now your life is now you're in the perspective of those who are in the haves as opposed to have nots. And then you don't have that perspective that life isn't fair because what did you just do? You just earned to have 
what the have nots do not. You, you earn that in that moment. So sometimes we get boggled down by the, the rhetoric in the media where people try to demonize people who earn money, mm-hmm. earn a lot of money. But if you come from nothing and then you, you out of your own talent and knowledge and sweat equity and staying up to however long it takes to get it done. And then from the fruits of that labor, you become a millionaire. That does that does that really make you evil? No. So we have to dispel a lot of things in our minds about creating money, especially in our community, because in the media, they support our victim mindset. Mm-hmm. So now it's a perpetual cycle where you're just in the victim mindset and then you're not you don't you're not empowered mm-hmm. internally to create your own your own uh, desired reality. Mm hmm. And then also, like, money is a big part about it, but it's not the the end-all, be-all. Like, money is just a tool to do what you really want to do. Like, if you're a person and you're working a nine-to-five that works for you, enjoy it. Be Do the best you can. If it's not serving you, leave the company. Go somewhere else. Everyone's not destined to be a business owner. Some people have to work. Business owners need staff, Right. And if you are a person that's in the staff, make the situation work for you. If you're giving your life away to some some place and they're not appreciating you, peace out. You don't owe them anything and they certainly don't owe you anything. Because if you died, guess what? They're going to replace you and pay that person half of With, what you're earning. Within the month. <laughs> within the week, probably. There's somebody already at the job who, wants, who who's going to take your position. Hold on. Because uh, this, I think this list is getting to that. Oh, okay. So. so I'll pause on that thought. But I'm just saying that you don't need to look at people and be like, oh, life's not fair because that's a victim mentality. Or you can perceive that as a victim mentality. And that's your choice. If you want to do that and that's easier for you, that's cool. But it doesn't help you grow. It doesn't help you get what that person has. So if you find yourself doing that, take a step back, pause for a second Understand those emotions, reevaluate why you feel those emotions, and then create an action plan so that you can do something about it. Absolutely. And just a final thought before we move to number three. No one is saying that you haven't been oppressed or your ancestors haven't been oppressed. Mm -hmm. However, when you identify with that victim mindset, then you won't take control of what you can control and get yourself out of that situation despite the oppression. Mm -hmm. So I was an athlete growing up. So one of my idols, one of my mentors was Jackie Robinson, right? Played for the Brooklyn Dodgers back when they were Brooklyn. One of the first African-American baseball players in major league baseball. And back then, if you were African-American on a baseball team in America, you had to be three times better mm-hmm. than their best player just to get some, just to get a little bit of game time. That doesn't mean you were starting, but eventually Jackie was so good. He was so dynamic. He brought so much to the game, so much value, obviously, right? Then they had to start him. They had to play him because they were winning. Why not? If you have the best player, of course you play him. And you when you when you burst open doors, it's because you succeed despite the oppression. Mm-hmm. So selfishly, my wish and goal for our community is to 
detached from the victim mindset. No one's denying that the denying that happened to us, but it's we, happening. It's happening, right? Has happened. Happen. No, no, that's a great point, Chloe. Yeah. Is happening, has happened, and will happen, will happen in the future. Great point. Thank you. You can succeed despite it anyway. That's all I'm going to say. And there we go. Now on to number three. Are you ready, Chloe? Sure. Chloe's ready. Number three is to exercise and take care of your body. There is nothing more disrespectful to your significant other, to your family, and to yourself than not taking care of your body. You must do it, and if you don't, you're selfish. Mm, I agree with that a thousand percent because just imagine that, and again, this never happened to me, but I'm just being empathetic here. Imagine that you had someone who, you know, had had heart issues, right? And the doctor had already told them, and you were aware that if you eat things like pork or beef, that might cause a heart attack. And then after the the doctor's appointment, where you hear this news, you go to Five Guys and get a <laughs> a, a bacon double cheeseburger. Then it's kind of like, hold up, what 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 are we doing here? Hmm. I think that this becomes more evident when people have children. Which is kind of interesting because a lot of times after people have children, they kind of let themselves go um, stereotypically. So the fact that he's saying like for your spouse, um, I think it's more for yourself and for your spouse and for your family. Because you want to be here as long as you can, if you can help it. Like we don't have control over when it's our time necessarily. But we do have control over how we take care of our bodies. And it's not fair. (laughs) Life's not fair. But it's not conducive for your children to have to take care of you because of the poor life decisions that you've made. Now, if you could circumvent that by being um, aware, right, of what can happen to you if you choose to use drugs, if you choose to eat unhealthily, if you choose to refuse to work out or keep your body um, at a standard that is up to par with your health, if you choose to put things in your body that aren't healthy, you're not the only person that is going to reap those negative benefits. I mean, negative uh, effects. Your children will or your parents, or your siblings, somebody who has to take care of you. Like, I'll just say there's people that I love and care about that have chosen to do things to their body, and that's their choice, right? But then if something goes down, then they looking for help. (laughs) It's like, how can you choose to do something to your body and, and then turn around and need help. Not to say don't help them because everybody I think deserves that, that love, that support, that respect. But as a person who is in control of their body, you should, and I'm going to say this again, you should be considerate of other people. Now, is everyone going to be considerate? No. And the fact of the matter is if you're not taking care of your body, you have to deal with the consequences. 
Because for well, well, not just you, right? No, sometimes just you, right? Fortunately, people have families and they have support systems, but sometimes that's not a thing. Sometimes you have to suffer alone. And you have to think about your future, right? So 10 years ago, when we're young and we partying and we having fun and stuff, sometimes you don't realize the consequences of your action until down the road. Because when you're young, who cares? Like, you're like, I'm... I'm here for a for a short. Well, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know, like <laughs> I'm here to have fun. Forget about that. I'm not gonna lose a lung to smoking a cigarette, right? I'm not gonna have heart issues from, you know, t- illicit drug use. I'm not gonna develop cancer or whatever because of things I'm doing in the moment because they're fun, or even being obese, eating too much. Like, I was, when I was in my early 20s, I was just having it. Like, I had gained an unhealthy amount of weight. I did. And I'll show y'all the pictures. And when I look back at those pictures, I was like, wow, I was depressed or I was something because I was having either too much fun or I wasn't happy. <laughs> like, it's either one of those two things. I'm still working through that to figure out what it was so it doesn't happen again. But... The fact of the matter is we are all account. You have to be accountable for your actions and you have to think about what the future you will want. Like nobody wants to be in a hospital bed in their thirties or twenties. Nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. Everyone thinks, Oh, that's just going to happen to that person. I saw this really disturbing video when I was scrolling through Instagram and it was like some woman who had like hair on her nose and it was like a scalp removal surgery or something because she sniffed too much coke in her life so she like ruptured all the inside of her nose and she had to have like a scalp replacement and it was like hair growing on her face do you think she was thinking about that when she was out having fun sniffing eight balls of coke no so just be mindful and and think your be mindful of your future self and be mindful of your future family and people who care about you don't be so selfish. And addiction is a disease. I do agree with that. So just don't even try it. Like, just don't. Say no to drugs, y'all. And to, to add on to that, it's not just about the future, but it's also about your present. Because that is one of the things that you can control if you choose to do. And we hope you do. We wish you do. Your loved ones wish you do and hope you do type of thing. So mm-hmm. it is something that, we understand, like, again, we all have coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I know when I feel in that, the uh, let's say that depression space, I like feel-good foods. You know, I'm human. It happens, right? But at the same time, long-term, long-term <laughs> exposure to that, or because the food tastes so good, uh-huh. it is addictive, <laughs> then it can become a habit of eating it more frequently. Yep. So you just have to be aware of that. That's one of the main reasons why... I do the alkaline vegan every year, uh, the first 40 days of the year. However, speaking with my nutritionist, Dr. Bach, shout out to Dr. Bach. I'm not going to do it this year. I'm going to do pescatarian this year Mm -hmm. because I was thinking micro instead of the macro. And Dr. Bach was thinking macro about my health because when I do the, the, my 40 days of alkaline vegan, it is a, a mental challenge to go cold turkey and make it to the end of it. However, 
my body will make up for that time period later in the year or let's say the rest of the year so there's a lack of balance so to have some balance now because that's the goal the goal in the present is to create the balance because when we have that balance that is sustainable on a trajectory long term right Mm -hmm. into old age so our goal and our youth right is to create lifelong habits right shout out to new life fitness lifelong habits and make that a sustainable way for you to live in your lifestyle for your optimal health, but for you also to enjoy some things because there's a reason why we have essentially, I would say three to four feasts uh, per year during the holidays. So I I would look at those moments as the moments to just go ham pun (laughs) absolutely intended, right? Honey ham, go honey ham. But to have that, let's say weekly or even monthly without moderate exercise, even with exercise, that may not be the best thing to do. So it might be better to have a a balance where you can enjoy your food experience, like a foodie like Chloe, right? Mm -hmm. You, You can enjoy the experience of the food but also be satiated and full mm-hmm. while at the same time giving, you know, nutrition and health to your body, your temple. And when you have that balance, that's just one thing you get to tick off the box. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to think about this at all. Food, food is handled. Now I can focus on other things. And I'm just leave with this last quote. My dad always said this. <laughs> well, he said two quotes. He said, a minute on your lips, <laughs> 10 months on your hips. Mm. <laughs> that was one quote And the other quote was It's so funny because he always say that And then the other quote was um, Everything in moderation Nothing in excess So you can enjoy things In moderation But not in excess Like Josh was saying just do a little bit Like if you want to drink Just drink a little bit Like you don't have to go ham every time you drink Because then that could build a habit and just just be aware. Just be aware of your habits when you're going through things. Like, is this a coping mechanism or am I doing this because I like it? Am I doing this to survive or am I doing this because I enjoy it? Facts. That's a good question or a filter to ask yourself. Like, am I eating this food because I like the way it tastes or am I eating this food because my body is telling me I need to eat this right now? Bam. That's it. That's all I got for y'all. Wait, that's it? That's it, Chloe? That's it. Drop a bomb. Drop a bomb. <laughs> No bombs yet. No bombs, no bombs yet. yet. All right, all right. I'll take a horn. Number four is that your employer does not care about you. You must be selfish with your living and how you make your income. If you aren't, you're going to be taken advantage of. It's just a simple fact. Can I speak on this first? Sure. So, your job does not care about you. They don't. If your name is not on the side of that building... They don't care about you. They might care about you a little bit, but they don't care about you as much as you care about you, number one. So number two, like, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Like, I personally work for a company that was just very bad for me. (laughs) It was good for me. Oh, worked as in past tense. Worked, past tense. I don't work there anymore. It was just not good for my mental health. And it was weird because the way that the company was structured, I felt like they did that on purpose. But it made me a stronger person, but it also created damage. 
like PTSD. Yeah. I'm undiagnosed, y'all. I don't I don't know, but for it took a long time for me to get over the trauma from that working environment, to be honest. Very strict, very um what's the word? They deprived us of food, they deprived us of uh sleep. Rest. Rest, no food, no rest. Um, we had to be on our feet ten hours a day. Um Mentally fatigued, physically fatigued to, it kind of sounded like the army. It sounded like I went to, like, if y'all thought about just me talking about this, y'all probably would think I was in, like, the Marines or something. But it was structured like that. Did it make me stronger as a person? I think it made me grow and gave me experience to know that my life is not worth, um, a fictitious goal or a fictitious vision that I didn't create myself, right? So it's like, if you're going to put that much effort in, in that blood and that sweat and them tears, like real live tears, like I when I was working at this place, I saw everybody I worked with cry at least once. M- once a week sometimes, once a month. It was a very stressful environment. Like boot camp. Um, does that bring you closer to people? I don't know. I think that if I talked to someone who worked there, they probably would have had similar experiences. Do I appreciate that I put myself through that? Yes. But I left. <laughs> I left. I had to go. It was not healthy for my mental health at all. So if you find yourself in a situation like I was in, maybe you should reevaluate. Are you there because you're attracted to toxicity? Are you there because you like abuse? Are you there because you think that you're serving a purpose, but you're sacrificing yourself in the moment? Like, these are things that you should reevaluate about yourself and and your job, because where we spend our time at majority of the time is at work. And if you're in a toxic situation at work, which a lot of us find ourselves in, it can be demeaning. It can hurt your self-esteem. It can hurt your your health, which we just talked about. Mental health is important. Um, it can hurt your physical health. Like a lot of people that I worked with had physical ailments from that work in that position. And it was like, this is not the way to do things. Like you, my personal opinion is a place that you go to work at should be a place similar to the place I work now where you're nurtured and you're built to reach your full potential, um, which is something that I appreciate because I worked at an establishment like that, that I understand what it is that I need and where I thrive at. And it makes me appreciate the position I'm in now more than ever, honestly. Like, I enjoy going to work. I look forward going to work. I look forward to learning something every day. And I feel like, and this is just my personal opinion, you should be a place where you're appreciated and how your job shows you appreciation is they give you the means and the opportunity to grow to your full potential. So if you're in a space like that, then, in my opinion, your job does care about you or your colleagues care about you. And guess what? The moment that they stop providing you that space to grow, in that space to thrive, 
then you leave and find somewhere else that you can do that. Because life is just, in my humble opinion, and if I would have told my younger self this, it's about finding where you fit and finding where you can grow. And being a place that doesn't stifle your creativity, doesn't stifle your growth, doesn't put you down, doesn't shame you, doesn't hurt you. You know, look at it kind of like a relationship, right? A partner. You're there for the paycheck and to grow. And, and, and they look at you as an asset to help them get to their bottom line. And, you know, a profit, hopefully. So it's a quid pro quo relationship. And if you don't know what that means... It is a give and receive. It is a reciprocal relationship. But the moment it becomes a relationship where it's not reciprocal, man, check up them deuces and peace out. Like, we got the internet now, y'all. We got the whole internet. You could find a job in 2.5 seconds. You can learn a skill. Shout out to LinkedIn Learning. Shout out to YouTube University, okay? In Google, find a job that you like, find a job making money, upskill, and peace out. Because it's not worth your time. I missed one, I missed a relative's funeral at that place. And in hindsight, was should I have done that? No. But they made me feel like if you miss a day of work, you're gonna get fired. Like it should never be a looming air of you're getting fired over your head. Like that is just not healthy at all. At all. It's not. And if you're in a position like that, I encourage you to get what you need to to get and you need to peace out because that's stress. You got a bomb? Can I drop a bomb? (laughs) No stress. Drop the mic and walk out the door and say peace, (laughs) y'all. And that's that's my soliloquy. Okay, Sammy Sosa. Okay, <laughs> and I, I can I can see why you say that, but at the same time, I will have to bring it from the other perspective. Let's bring it from the business owner or the entrepreneur's perspective, because you might be an in, uh, an aspiring entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and this might be your reality as well. Because as soon as you own a business, now that 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 dynamic flip flips right. Mm-hmm. So now it's your responsibility to create a healthy working environment number one yes number two at the end of the day business boils down to stat sheets balance sheets and profits because no matter how cool an employee is around the uh, around the office <laughs> if he's costing you money and thus losing you losing you money and and or not producing and or or possibly doing both, then unfortunately you're gonna have to make that difficult logical decision to let that employee go. But that doesn't mean that you don't care about the employee. You care about the business more as the business owner because at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to all the rest of your employees so they can get their paycheck mm-hmm. and their insurance. So if you run a business based upon emotions and feelings eventually you will be out of business and then bankruptcy and then no one's getting paid. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you're saying. So if you, if you require that type of environment where 
there's a less likely chance for you to get fired because of that pressure. It might behoove you for you and your for your peace, your own inner peace to get a government job because it's exceptionally hard to get fired from a government job unless you're like doing something egregious Mm -hmm. and you have a a consistent growth in salary that goes with inflation. So that might be something that you might be interested in. That might be less stressful for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be in corporate America, when specifically, again, it's a business, it's not a charity, right? Even nonprofits, they, they still pay their staff Mm -hmm. pretty well, depending on the nonprofit. Right. But ultimately is there to make money. Even if it's a nonprofit, you still got to make money for the nonprofit cause that you're supporting and facilitating. And you still have to, to pay your employees at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So to close point, go to a place that values your value, Mm -hmm. your unique value pays you your worth Mm -hmm. and gives you your inner and external peace because I don't think it's worth it to have, you know, a toxic work environment Mm -hmm. just for money. Personally, that's just me. Or an abusive environment. You got to run. You got to run. And a lot of people, I feel like they get complacent and they just deal with it. And it's like, oh, I'll just complain about it. Then I'll go home and eat a whole bunch of food. I'll drink a whole bunch of alcohol. Coping mechanisms. And then I'll just get back up and go to work on Monday. And then what? You just complain. It's just a cycle. And the next thing you know, it's 2020, 2020, 2100. Exactly. And you're halfway (laughs) to being a lifer. And then it's like, dang, I put in 30 years here and I hated this place 15 years ago. Like, don't stay. And I feel like people do the same thing with relationships, which, you know, I don't know. People stay for their own reasons. And again, this is the reality with any business Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world. I'm not going to say that they don't care about you, right, individually. (laughs) But just the logical reality, if we separate our our emotions as human beings and look at it from a practical perspective, regardless how much you care about that person, even if the person, even if, let's say, unfortunately, someone you know at work passes away, and it's a pivotal position. That position has to be replaced mm-hmm. for for business operations to continue at an optimal <laughs> level. Unfortunately, right? So well, not necessarily unfortunately. It's unfortunate that the person passed away. But as the business, even a nonprofit, even a government entity, you have to fill that position for the business to operate. You know, the first thing they told us in business school, I remember this first day of my was it organizational behavior class Um, when I was studying my undergrad in business administration. I remember my professor said, and wrote it big on the board, he said, businesses don't have any emotions. They are treated as as an individual in regards to their rights. And, you know, they are an individual, but they don't have any feelings or emotions. It's not about that. They are money-making machine a person it is a system absolutely because a business is only going to succeed and grow with inflation if it's run as an optimized system so if you're going to a place that you see is dysfunctional eventually (laughs) it will catch up to them right so it makes more sense for me in my opinion to go to a place where you that values you 
that, as Chloe alluded to, invest in, in your success. So a business that's sending you to training, uh, giving you uh, a great benefits package, they're investing in your well-being so you perform better. Because mm-hmm. all studies confirm that when you have a happy employee, productivity increases. Is up. So that's why you see in Silicon Valley places like that that have a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, buku bucks, let's say, and they're able to reward their employees with a lot of fringe benefits, either going to sporting events, concerts, having uh, napping facilities at work. As long as you get the work done and you meet your you meet your quota and you meet your uh, your own personal projects, they're willing to you know give you some of those uh, fringe benefits that a lot of other corporations can't afford. So to me, this makes more sense to go a place where you're valued, when you, where you can increase your value, especially if they're investing in you to cr- increase your value for your, for your skill set for the organization, because then you, become, then you become more valuable to them, and then they will hopefully compensate you for that value. And if not, you can always leverage that and go to someplace else that will value you, perhaps mm-hmm. a competitor. Because remember, at the end of the day, businesses do not have emotions, even <laughs> though legally, even though legally there are entities that are similar to a person, the business itself, the system does not have emotion. So it makes more sense if you're making a business decision. That's why we say it's a business decision. It has nothing to do with emotion. It has everything to do with business, logic, and thus profits. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's great. I'm saying that's the way it is and things will never change. Shout out to Tupac. Well, I think also just to wrap this up a little bit, it's a tool. Like your business is not your life. Your life is your life. Like people sacrifice their lives for jobs and then they get laid off because they didn't understand what it was. It's a tool. And the minute your tool is not sharp enough to cut and say it's a knife, it's not sharp enough to cut, uh, you know, through the steak anymore, what do you do? You go get a new knife. You don't just keep using that knife and complaining about it. Like, oh, it's not sharp enough. Like, bro, the knife wasn't sharp 10 years ago and you still trying to cut your steak with it. Like, it's a tool. And they don't care about you. They don't, even if they appear to care. And when the minute it doesn't serve you, you peace out and go somewhere else and you you and then you grow there for the amount of time you need to and then you can go somewhere else. It's very simple and I feel like our parents generation was different because companies treated them better like they had pensions, you know. It was like a whole different situation. So they felt kind of compelled to stay at places for 30 plus years. Well, they were more trustworthy back then. Uh, appearance wise, this mm-hmm. is before the internet. <laughs> Or, or before, uh, you know, things like scandals or things like Enron or Ponzi schemes where pensions evaporate. Yeah. So it's not really a fault sometimes of the organization. They this may invest with an unscrupulous character unbeknownst to them. I Man, it's their fault. You, you could blame them. Oh, they're definitely liable. But you could definitely blame them. Regardless, you're still not getting your money back. You're not, and that's the problem. So it's like, you know. Just so so have some irons in the fire. We, we're going to yeah. talk a lot about entrepreneurship, yeah. Yeah. especially in our community. Our, our community benefits so much mm-hmm. with entrepreneurs, just like Tesla, excuse me, uh, Tulsa, excuse me. 
I believe in the Tulsa Wakanda model where you mm-hmm. have tons of innovative things and creating a lot of value internally in our community and it does wonders. So definitely mm-hmm. have, support your entrepreneurs, especially during the holiday season. Yes, sir. All right, next one. Is that an hourly wage is extremely inefficient. In 2022, we have these devices in our hands that can do anything and tell us anything. If you're not using it as an income source, you're falling behind. We have so much information at our fingertips right now. So it's like there's going to become a part, like a point where that I feel like even though there's a lot of information, people are going to be take too many people are going to be taking advantage of it. Um, and then it won't be like a learning curve anymore. So, you know, we kind of like the first generation of that. So I think you should take full advantage of it. And another thing is like there may become a point where YouTube is just too oversaturated um, with things. So, you know, open up your phone, figure it out before <laughs> we're on to the next thing. That's definitely a fair assessment. I'm just uh, going to water bear here. If you know, you know. And yes, it is the age of information and and facts and logic. Unfortunately, it's being combative with, let's say, emotion that is void of logic. So when you have those uh, those combative forces, it causes a lot of toxicity, as we see in current times, unfortunately. However, as we talked about before, we have control of our mentality. So that's what I would say about this one. Hmm. Okay, I agree. I'm going to like number six, and I don't care. Alcohol has no benefit whatsoever, and anyone arguing that it does is just coping. (laughs) It's a simple fact. This is one I talk about all the time on YouTube. I agree. I mean, alcohol is fun. It's just like chewing bubblegum doesn't have any... uh positive effects except for it might make your breath smell good for a very short amount of time but whatever i mean like everything on this earth is not just for us to do better i don't know some things are just for fun (laughs) like sometimes you want to turn your brain off sometimes you want to go out have fun and just chill like and what i can say to this is everything in moderation nothing in excess so when you find yourself becoming codependent on a substance or not codependent, dependent on a substance, that's when it goes from a, a situation where it's cool to where it's not. But it is a waste of time. Like who's who's running around talking about drinking is not a waste of time. Maybe people who are wine connoisseurs, because they get paid to do that, or people who are uh Whiskey connoisseurs. Whiskey connoisseurs. Vodka connoisseurs. Speaking of whiskey, as we have our bar behind us, shout out to this black-owned company over here. The dearest Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest. 1884, white label. And also has a premium version as well. We have the, this is the one we enjoy the most in terms of taste. Mm-hmm. But there's a premium one, which is strong. Th- those you probably want to, sh- you know, save for special occasions. Kind of like a McAllen, but in a, in a different sense, right? But mm-hmm. th- And they just came out with a rye as well. Shout out to the uh, Brown Juice Barbershop. So I'm going to read the back really quick. It says, Uncle Nearest 1884, small batch whiskey. Uncle Nearest 1884 continues the remarkable legacy of Tennessee distilling legend 
Nearest Green, the first known African-American by his, I'm sorry, <laughs> skipped a line. The first known African-American master distiller. Yes, sir. Each small batch is curated by his great-great-granddaughter. Whiskey Magazine's 2021 Master Blender of the Year. Shaboy! Victoria Eddie Edie Butler, utilizing the process of maple charcoal mellowing that the that nearest helped perfect over 160 years ago. 1884 delivers a whiskey that is as smooth as it is complex. So I would say that there is no benefit to this besides it tastes good. It's kind of like French fries, right? There's no health benefits to it, but it's a benefit to your tongue. Absolutely. <laughs> that is definitely that is definitely accurate. As human beings who have been raised in this era, where we are very much familiar with consumerism. We have our own habit of consumerism, whether that be shopping, as we talked about before, mm -hmm. or what your your mindset is. If you have a negative mindset, your filter is negative, so you're consuming everything with a negative filter. Mm -hmm. And then number three, then you have the, this is the very important one. Okay. You have the opportunity to create a reality. So if you only have negative thoughts, you're only going to create a negative reality. If you think about what you can do, what you have the confidence to do, what information, as Chloe was talking about, you have, because I know me, I get, you know, I get analysis paralysis all the time, mm -hmm. right? So when you're confident enough to apply that information, you make it wisdom because you applied knowledge, right? So if you want to be wise, just apply that knowledge. And that's one of the things I'm always telling myself to to take that leap. So I, I take action because if not, I'll have analysis paralysis. And back to what he was saying, alcohol is a waste of time, but it's also fun sometimes. So just don't overindulge. Balance. Balance. <laughs> All right. Next one. You got to cheer for yourself more than your favorite sports team. There are so many people on this earth that devote their lives to teams and players that they've never even met and that don't even know they exist and they don't even cheer for themselves or work on their own dreams. It's the reason why so many people are unhappy. I think this is my favorite one on the list. This is so true. Um, and it goes back to negative self-talk. Like we're so, some of us seem to be very negative within our own brains and we talk ourselves out of things but we'll cheer and be the biggest advocate for someone or something that doesn't even know who we are <laughs> it's kind of like wishing insert celebrity's name here a happy birthday but you don't even say happy birthday to your friends or like people that you know like they don't even know you so it's kind of like you need to or not even say happy birthday to yourself like, how do you not celebrate your birthday, but you celebrating a celebrity's birthday who never seen you before? Like, that is something that you should think about. <laughs> that is something that you should evaluate. Why is that? Because your biggest advocate should be yourself. Like, you're in your body. You're in control of your body. And so if you're not having that positive self-talk in your head that you're screaming at, you know, the television or listening to somebody's album with the same zest or having a super crazy fan page or purchasing all Jets gear or Philly gear or whatever, insert team here, 
then you're doing yourself a disservice because all that energy that you're putting towards them, you're giving yourself negative energy. Like, because you're not even treating yourself right. You're not even telling yourself how great you are. You're not telling yourself that you could do it. But you cheering for a team that ain't won a Super Bowl in 30 years. That's That, to me, needs some evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> and um i'm reading this book right now it's actually called let me get the name for y'all it's about social emotional learning and the book is called sorry it's loading <laughs> it is called why is it not in this thing Heart and Mind, Teaching with the Heart and Mind, and it's by Lorea Martinez. Teaching with the Heart and Mind. So this is philosophy about social-emotional learning and development, and one of the chapters that we're on now, I'm on now is talking about self-talk, positive self-talk. And in one class, I mean, one session that she did, she had everybody write on a piece of paper how they, what they would tell themselves if a negative situation occurred. So she had them write it down on a post. These are all adults. And then she said, okay, take your post-it and pass it to the person left to you. And so many people were ashamed and they didn't want to pass that post-it on to the next person because they were like, wow, I don't want them to feel this way about themselves the way I'm talking to myself. So for me, it's like that just is just a snippet of how we are just so judgmental about ourselves. And a lot of time it's reflected in how we're judgmental on other people, Right. But you got to fix your internal. You have to think about, like, you need to tell yourself good things. You need to wake up every day. And that's why positive affirmations are so powerful and so important. Um, and that energy that you give yourself can make or break you, can put you in a positive, optimistic mindset, or it could put you in a pessimistic, negative, scarcity mindset. And we want y'all to be in an optimistic um, mindset. With abundance. With abundance. <laughs> I agree completely. And I made it very simple for myself. I had to look at Josh in the mirror and be completely transparent with myself. And for me, anyone who is, let's say, promoted for monetary reasons for both the promoter and the receiver of the promotion. So let's say celebrities, right? Includes athletes, because that was the aspect about the sports team, right? That's a form of idol worship. It reminds me of the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. So when you have those elements in life, unfortunately, it, it, caught, it, has, a, it has a reaction. Every action has a reaction. Mm -hmm. So as Chloe was alluding to, the reaction to these, this type of idolatry, if you will, because that's, that's what it is in the modern times, right? If you have that element, then it causes internal comparison. You always have to compare yourself to everybody. Oh, if I'm not doing this, I'm a failure. And that's not necessarily true mm -hmm. for your situation. However, how the world is presented, it can make other people feel like, damn, I'm, I'm really not doing anything. Or it can make you want to adopt that victim mindset, which, again, isn't serving you with all the potential and talent that you have. So mindset is incredibly, is incredibly important. And unless you're only looking at sports and athletics as entertainment, 
And and that's all it is. Like you can be upset about your favorite team losing for about 15 minutes, but at the end of the day, if you have uh <laughs> if you have a wonderful family, if you have, you know, children growing, if you have awesome pets, awesome relatives, awesome life experiences, that's the true blessing. Mm-hmm. And you realize that when you get older, but in the moment you don't, especially if you're emotionally engaged at a very fanatic level, right? So as entertainment, sure, you love it in that moment, but beyond that, it doesn't define you. And that's where the, the self-talk comes into play. And what you the story you tell yourself is the story that you will present to others and is the story that you'll ultimately live. Like, I remember, so my goddaughter, Malaya, she stays over with us once a week. <clears throat> and today, or yesterday, she had a whole conversation about good luck and bad luck. And she was like, you know, I had good luck all last week and this week. Or she said she had bad luck all last week and good luck this week. I said, girl, ain't no such thing as good luck and bad luck. It's about how you're perceiving the, the information that you're receiving. I said, and if you, you know, adopt a positive mindset, if you adopt an optimistic mindset, you'll always have good luck because you'll always see the positive and even the bad things that you may be perceiving in the moment as bad, you will see the good in them. So then you'll always have good luck. You'll look back at something bad that happened and we'll label it bad, even though things are not bad or good. They're just things that happen. And it's how we interpret those things that happen. And we put labels on them, right? So like, I mean, I told her, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yesterday, funny story, she was getting out the car and she dropped her Lunchable on the ground and all the cheese fell out and she was bad. She was big bad. Because I told her she couldn't eat in the car because she always be leaving stuff in my car. So she was big mad. She's like, oh, man, see, it's my bad luck. All the cheese came out. I said, hmm, it sounds like you got good luck to me because them little pieces, um, things ain't roll out. <laughs> I said, I said, you still got some left in your Lunchable. If it was really bad luck, you would have, I said, it could have been worse. You could have had nothing left. Like, so it's kind of like, you know, you got to look at the glass. That glass is half empty and it is half full. But how you look at it will determine the outcomes that, that happen after that. Right? So then she looking, like, I had her kind of reframe her thinking. And that's my goal for her, which, I, which is something I did adopt 10 years ago. Like, have a positive mindset because it's like the yin and the yang. And every bit of bad, there's a little bit of good. And in every good, there's a little bit of bad. So it's like you got to just appreciate the good and look for that. Because if you're not looking for it, it's easy to fall into that victim mentality. It's easy to fall into, oh, bad luck. It's me. Everything happens to me. Oh, life isn't fair. Like, Man, if you don't if you don't look at the good if you don't look at the good you playing yourself you got DJ Khaled you played yourself I do but that's being safe for 2023 listen you played yourself you need to say that as thing you just say my voice you played yourself <laughs> but seriously you played yourself and so it and it takes practice. Like it's not something that's gonna happen overnight. You gotta practice that. Like you gotta practice looking for the good, just like you practice looking for the bad your whole life. If you're one of those people who see the bad and everything, like you practice that or somebody taught that to you. So you gotta retrain your thinking. And I promise you, when you retrain your thinking, it's not as bad as you thought it was. Because there's always a little bit of good in everything that happens bad. The worst thing that could have happened, something came out of that. That is a positive. 
Drops mic. Drops a bomb. This is sink or swim, baby. You're treading water. <laughs> Step it up. What do you got? Step it up. All right. Ready? Invest early and invest often. If you're not investing or finding a way to grow whatever it is that you've accumulated, then you're falling behind to inflation and many other things. I said this way before the inflation topic was popular, and I'm never going to stop. Investing is always a tricky one for me. Because they be like, invest, invest, invest. But they never say when you invest in certain things, you could potentially lose everything. <laughs> it's a gamble. And I feel like when people say this, it's just like a um, one of those catchphrases. Like, you need to invest early. Bro, you're not telling me nothing. Like, what do I need to invest in early? Like, I need some specifics. Because if you're telling me to invest in the stock market, when we was growing up, 9-11 happened. And... One of my cousins had lost like $80,000 in a week from her 401k. Like, who, I, how do you lose $80,000 in a week? And you're not a wealthy person. And that's money that you sacrifice every single week. So it's like how I'm going to interpret this and how I would like the narrative to change or be flexible and, and have a different type of connotation is diversify your portfolio early. Not invest early, diversify your portfolio early, meaning investing yourself. That is the only thing you can invest in that is guaranteed growth. Don't you, I don't know about trusting the stock market because I'm a little jaded, to be honest. I don't know about trusting the real estate market because I'm a little jaded, to be honest. It depends on, it's a, it's a game of chances. But one game of chance that you cannot lose is investing in yourself early. That's what that's what I'm going to say. That's the caveat I'm going to leave with that. What are your thoughts? I definitely agree. And investing in yourself is probably the best way to grow your value. In fact, it's the only way to grow your value, which makes you more valuable than you can quantify your new value with the world and all the wonderful opportunities there are out there. So for me, investing, I look at investing like I look at investing in companies sometimes similar to how people talk about, you know, sports or fashion in the previous time or mm -hmm. celebrities, right? Like in, in terms of the idolatry, if you will. Right. So for me, it made more sense to invest it in me as opposed to those other other entities. So with sports, you can invest time and money mm -hmm. and emotion, and then you're drained. Mm -hmm. So, and that can apply to, you know, celebrities or, you know, any type of reality TV shows, <laughs> any of that foolishness yeah. as well. Same thing. Investing yourself, y'all. Like, I'm going to disagree with his number, whatever this number is, and say he... He missed it by a little bit. It's not invest your money or invest into stock options or whatever. It's investing yourself because nobody can take your knowledge away from you. But with that, investing in yourself, don't just learn things. Learn how to apply them because you can be the smartest person in the room. You could be the smartest person in the world and have all these great ideas in your head. I'm sure all of us have had an idea for an invention, and then we see a commercial for it on TV, and we like, dang, I should have made that. Why didn't I think of that? I thought of that. Why didn't I go through with it? Like, investing yourself in how to be active, 
how to have action behind those thoughts. Because if you're keeping your thoughts inside, you're holding back from the world. You're holding back the expansion, the creative expansion. And you could potentially be holding back helping people. And guess what? The way knowledge works is that you're not the only one who thought of it. There's millions of other people who thought about it, but you need to be action oriented. You need to figure out a way to get out of that box and believe in yourself. And that goes back to the last statement we had about self-talk and telling yourself you could do it. And honestly, one person that comes to mind is Kanye West. And he's so controversial at the moment, but you can still respect his hustle. He says it, he believes in himself more than anybody. And then he, he, he knows how to put that into action. You know, not, not to say you agree with everything he says. Because just because somebody's good at something doesn't mean that they're, you know, politically correct or you should share their ideals. But you can still respect their path. That's what I'm going to say to that. I just wonder sometimes, like, how miserable is your life that you have to focus on negative things that you just can't enjoy things? Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely fair to say. And I mean, at the same time, once you have created a certain income level, you probably do want to put it into the stock market at that point. Or something, maybe not the stock market. Like, you really trust the stock market right now? Not for not for small amounts. It, you know how. Okay, let me just give my perspective. I respect your perspective, but in my building, when I leave work every day, there's a giant. Yeah, the ticker. Seventy no, there's a seventy inch TV that shows you red. <laughs> yep. Red. So if I was a person who invested millions of dollars into a stock and then they they went down three hundred percent today, they're negative. I just lost a whole bunch of money, which is why I say diversify, and don't and and don't. Don't get too attached to money. Like, I feel like we have this, and I think this has been indoctrination, that money is just so important. Like, people kill people over $50. Like, money is just a symbol of freedom. So it's like, if you can cultivate freedom without a certain amount of money, that's the most important thing in my eyes. Like, Money is money is built and made to be traded. It it took the place of trading physical goods and you just trade money now for services. So it's like Well, in between that, you know, gold and silver, but yeah. Yeah. So it's like you can't put too much value into money and then think like, oh, I have to save it. Like you can never save your way to be a millionaire. Like it's no way. It's impossible. So I do agree in investing. Um, but I do think that diversifying, and that means putting your money in different places. Like business owners, they have money in different places. Like if this business idea doesn't work, I got a backup plan. You know what I mean? Like because there's going to be there's peaks and valleys. That's that's a constant. There's always going to be an up. There's always going to be a down. So depending on your timing, you could hit big, but depending on your timing, you could take a major loss. Like people jump off of buildings. Like. Because they, they've had such a huge loss. So it's kind of like you got to be willing to take that risk, number one, willing to accept the good and the bad. And that's just being real with yourself, right? It's like going to a casino and gambling. 
it's a big dummy. It's a fifty percent chance you're gonna lose. Actually, let me let me uh, rephrase uh, unless that. you go there to lose the money as part of the thrill and you can afford <laughs> and you can afford to lose it and not lose a sweat. Sure. Let me rephrase that. It's not a 50 percent chance that you're going to lose. It's either you're going to win or you're going to lose. So there's only two options in that sense. Now, you know, the odds are stacked against you. So it's not. So a it's, a, it's over 50 percent. <laughs> it's over 50 percent. But so that means it's a majority. Yeah. But th- that the house will win. But you're either going to win or you're going to lose. So just as much as you're thinking you're going to win, you should be also going in there like, dang, if I'm like, I, I can also lose an equal percentage of chance. So it's like, you know, you got you have to be real with yourself. And if you are a person who wants to make those big investments or them risks, do it like I'm I'm all for it. But don't be mad at your decision. Just keep going. Like, if you fail, if you lost 60K, 80K, be like, well, it's just money. It it happens. Now, how am I going to bounce back from this? Because I was, one thing, the biggest, what is it? Uh, There was an attitude test, and it was like, what is the biggest characteristic that is in people of success? And it was grit. That's it. All you need is grit to be good. That is the that is the main ingredient for success is to keep going despite your challenges. So when you can master that, you mastered you mastered the game, you master life. Because as long as you're not deceased, you're here and you still have opportunity to keep going. And you just take your losses and you become optimistic about it. You learn from your losses and you just apply that to the next thing and you just keep trying and keep going. But the minute that you wallow in that sorrow is the minute you done. Point blank, period. And that's the opposite of grit. That's giving up. All right, time for 9 and 10. Wrap it up. Practice being positive every single day. It isn't just something you can do overnight. You have to practice it. You have to learn not to complain. It is a process. Trust me, it will help you. I agree with this a thousand percent. I think probably one of the best things I ever decided to do in my personal life on earth. So I I appreciate that I was able to discover the wisdom of thinking positively, consciously, make that a habit. And then wonderful things will come to you abundantly because of that. Facts. I mean, he's just saying what we've been saying this whole time. And let me just say, I didn't remember all the nine. (laughs) Or the 10 facts, so we know. Number 10, not taking risk is the greatest risk of all. That is the biggest thing that anyone can do to really set themselves back. Go talk to people in retirement homes. Go talk to people who have worked and aren't working anymore. The number one thing you'll hear from them is how many regrets they have, that they wish they would have taken that extra step. They wish they would have pursued that dream. If you don't take a risk, it's extremely risky. The unknown is what keeps people up at night. What if I would have did this instead of that? Analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. But after the fact, like when the opportunity no longer presents itself. So like we're, we're fairly young, um, you know, so it's like there becomes a point, a point in your life where you, you just, you don't have the resources to be flexible anymore. And at that point, and it's a mindset partially, but it's also because of, obligations that you've created over the years right so it's a mixture of both mindset mostly I feel like a lot of times when you get older 
And this is just from my observations that people just kind of accept, which doesn't necessarily have to be correct, but they've accepted that, hey, I'm done. Like, I can't change. Like, I, I can't go back and change the past. In my future, I can't really do too much because I'm limited, either physically, mentally, whatever. So there's a point where that happens, the wall. I, I'm going to call it because <laughs> we use the wall for other things. But there is a wall at a certain age where you're like, Dag, I'm here and I didn't do what I told myself I wanted to do. And it's too late now. And I think that that's where the word regret comes from. Um, it's kind of like if if you've ever been into some things just pass and you can't get them back. So, I mean, one thing I learned and I, I, I told myself 10 years ago was to step outside of my comfort zone and stop being so scared of trying things. And it helped me. It helped expand myself. Like, And I feel like if I would have missed out on some of those opportunities, I wouldn't be who I am today. Like, you know, you just kind of have to just get over that fear and just be afraid and still do it. <laughs> Take risks. Um, and not just like risks that are life-threatening or can potentially have a bad outcome. We're not saying like, you know, drive around with a loaded. Okay, well, no, this, no. <laughs> a loaded car full of people in your back seat with no seatbelts. <laughs> You got to take calculator risks um, that are risk for the good, not for risk for the better, not for the worse. Like nobody's telling you to be a ride or die and take that risk. See, I like to combine these. Right. So one thing you said before is invest. Right. So mm -hmm. for someone who may not have the confidence to invest in themselves, that would be the risk worth taking. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to. Of course, examine each one of these in isolation, but mm -hmm. see how these overlap. And when you combine all of them and really apply that wisdom, <laughs> it's a compounding effect. I agree a thousand percent. So that's the list. One to ten. That's our little spiel. Is that how you say the word? Spiel. We. I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> Google, how do you spell? Siri, how do you? <laughs> do you know how to spell it? I could guess S P H E L E spiel. <laughs> or is it a V in there? <laughs> I guess Google let us know. <laughs> yeah, y'all. That's our little take on uh these top ten. Oh, I wanna play one more thing for y'all. Can you play that video that's on my um my Instagram? It's on my story. Not that one. Go to my story. Where did it go? Yo, did it disappear off my story? It's 50 Cent. Hold up. Is it on here? Did it not post? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find it. It must be in my archives. Hold up. She. Speaking of Uncle Nearest, they just liked my picture because I tagged them in it. Take risk, y'all. <laughs> they was like, oh, word. We like that. Thanks for posting us. Yes, sir. Archive, okay. 
I could have sworn I posted this today. This is crazy. 50 Cent said this. Here it goes. To make it. Hold on. I'm going to start it over. Some people are not built to make it. That might sound harsh, but all my experiences have taught me is true. No matter how much support you provide them or love you show, their lowest habits are going to pull them right back to whatever struggles they come from. That's why one of the keys of being able to hustle smarter is learning how to identify these kinds of people before they drag you back down to the bottom with them. One of the first rules of lifeguarding is never get too close to a drowning person. Why? Because when you reach them just before they go under, that person is just going to jump on your back and cause you both to sink. You always want to try and keep something, a float, a board, or a piece of wood, between you and the person you're trying to rescue. If they get too close, punch them dead in the face and get them off you. <laughs> Otherwise, you're both going to die. Some people are not built to make it. So, I say that to say, these, are, these pieces of advice are here. And, you know, when people drop gems, everybody not going to pick them up. And that's okay. Like, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has to learn from their own mistakes. Some people will never learn. Some people will try to drag you down with them. But our goal is to make sure that the information is here, that we're spreading the information and, you know, each one teach one. And that you don't be a person that hoards the information, but you are a facilitator, a facilitator of learning. And so we hope that you can, we've shared this resource with you to take a look at and that something that we said today resonates with you. Um, and if it didn't, that's cool. If some things did and some things didn't, that's also cool. But just know that the information's here. We're here for you. We hope you enjoyed this uh, top 10 <laughs> things we wish we had learned 10 years ago. Um, and thanks for joining us. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and, of course, share. And let us know where you're listening from. Where do you enjoy listening to the most and when? Like, do you enjoy listening on the way to work, on, the, on your way home from work? Let us know. We want to make it a better show for your journey or whatever you're doing at the time. We're very curious. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Peace.